Hey, gang, we're really happy that you listened to Suicide Buddies, and we appreciate that you like the show. We actually really care a lot about your mental health. And so if you are feeling uh, depression, and especially suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation, well, Dave and I would really prefer that you put down the podcast right now and you call it the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's uh, 1-800-273-TALK, which is one 800 uh, 273-8255. Uh, they're really great. They will uh, eventually get to you uh, and they can uh, help you with more uh, professional advice than maybe Dave and I can d- fart out of our ass. So, You know just And we started. <laughs> hey, Hampton, how that are you? That be the start. I disagree. I disagree. I'm finally uh, refreshed. Yeah. I've got my, uh, you know, bodily quotient of water. You know, what, pe- what would people dislike about that? I think, you know, our bodies are 75% water. You finally tipped it. 76 percent you know? and now i'm a piece of shit Woo! man i'm high on water dude i'm fucking high on fluoride yeah man <laughs> the government's controlling my brain <laughs> you're damn right it is Did you ever- i am a puppet on a string <laughs> have you ever heard that conspiracy theory that fluoride in the water oh yeah because it actually does kind of make if you give people high amounts of fluoride it does make them susceptible to suggestion is it true yeah it, it i believe yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, totally, man. Well, I drink a lot of water, <laughs> and you know about all the fluoride in it. So, dude, yeah, I. Um, Why would I'll you never ever vote this. third party? I'm drinking <laughs> lots of water. <laughs> I, I, uh, Come with it now. <laughs> I did this show once in uh, Rock Island, Illinois. Boo. Okay, and that's Scum our show. Some people and. Um, it uh, at this venue called Garage Three, the kind of place I do shows, like a weird fucking bombed out venue. The best place to do stand up, in my opinion. Uh, I'm um, Dave Ross. I once did stand up in a tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't understand why this is funny. Why I'm is this Dave funny? I'm Dave Ross. I once did stand up inside of a sweater. <laughs> You're wearing a sweater right now. <laughs> Well, you know, just, I think the roles are reversed on this day. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, <laughs> and you're wearing like a Star Trek uniform. Yeah, actually. that's true. <laughs> the shirt is a little. I find I love this kind of look that looks a little like semi futuristic. No yeah, yeah, it's it, like Neo would wear it when he wakes up. Yes. Like, oh shit! I guess. Oh, damn. Gender isn't real now, and we're in the future. Since it's the future and <laughs> robots are in control, that's why my sweater has a hole in it. And, when I watch the new, uh, the later Matrix movies, it's like, yeah, wait, why are all their clothes fucked up? Because <laughs> we're all in a fucking rave. <laughs> we're cutting holes in each other's shirts so we can fuck it. <laughs> uh, I was at a show in Rock Island, Illinois, at a place called Garage 3, that the guy literally told me... Uh, 
uh, was called Garage 3 because it was the third garage on his property. Uh, it was just a house in the middle of a neighborhood where they put a bunch of couches out and a bunch of like 17-year-old kids came and watched the show. One of them was on a motorized recliner. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But at this show, I sat on a couch next to the only person there who was over like 22, and he was like 48. I don't know how the fuck he found this show. He was wearing like a John Deere hat, and we... I was, I was, it was in some fight with, uh, with someone in my life and I was feeling really sad about it. And I started talking to this dude about it and, um, and I, I, we, he was really listening and he was like, yeah, man, friendships can be hard and stuff like that. It was this really sweet conversation. And then out of nowhere, he was like, you know, they put fluoride in the water, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what? And then at the end of the show, my friend Andrew came up to me and was like, hey, man, this like old dude left you a DVD and it was a chemtrails documentary (laughs) that I guess he just carries with him all the time. And uh, and I watched it, and it was not well shot. I, I, it changed my mind about a couple things. Oh, okay, I mean, no Obama for sure. <laughs> now I know it's definitely it's actually pronounced no Obama. Dear God, that'd be so funny to like change people's minds. <laughs> oh man, as a oh, chemtrails wow. guy, compelling documentary. I was handed on the street, no DVD cover, just you know, a raw DVD handed to me. Also, I really have no idea whether or not that guy exists. <laughs> I haven't seen him before or since. We were not talking about chemtrails. We were talking about my friends. You didn't want to keep in touch? No, I would love to. If you want to uh, keep in touch with this guy's... Okay, folks, uh, listen, this is Alex Jones here. If you want to keep in touch with this guy, you're going to want to go on blackinfowars.com. You're going to want to go on the forum. You're going to find this guy. He's going to hand you a chemtrails DVD. You're going to have to suck him off in the parking lot. Man, black Alex Jones is more intense than white Alex Jones. Slightly. Um, BlackInfoWars.com. Speaking of which, we got a shout out to that. <laughs> somebody built us a website. Yeah, but somebody actually took our joke and decided to make it real. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> welcome to Suicide Buddies. Also, yeah, home of the Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's a comedy mental health podcast hosted by me, Hampton Yunt, this guy, Dave Ross. What's up? Uh, every, every week, mm-hmm. every fucking week, mm-hmm. every goddamn week, we talk about mental health, depression, Damn. Uh, what's going on in our lives, and we talk about a suicide in history usually, and we try and find some sort of angle to it, some sort of comment that we can take away from it. And lately, it's been rough. Yeah. Because life sucks in general. <laughs> oh, man, I know. People just keep going, dude. Mm. It sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's get into that in a second. Real quick, I want to say uh, some shout-outs. Because if we do the shout-outs after we talk about our dead friends, I think it might be a little difficult. <laughs> and uh, and sh- by the way, <laughs> shout-out. Shout Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Our friends um, We're real sad. A guy named Miles Austin bought blackinfowars.com and made a very simple little website that has a Suicide Buddies quote generator on it. It's so <laughs> cool, man. Thank you so much. Oh, don't um, believe the hype. This is actually <laughs> something sponsored by the White House here. You insert the quote generator, and the quote says you're going to get it. You have to use the Zodiac Killer's uh, cryptograph to uh, spell out a new uh, hate speech. <laughs> <laughs> Every quote of ours transfers into direct hate speech. <laughs> you rearrange the letters. <laughs> I love the idea that every racial slur is a, 
<laughs> is an anagram of something do, that the do not take, Zodiac killer said. Do not take the words of drink water, do push-ups, and rearrange them. Do it, not. It creates the ultimate slur. It's just every gender, every you know race, if you take it's annihilated. Yeah, you know if you take the cover of Green Day's Dookie and you turn it upside down, you can see the devil's face? Well, anything we've ever said, ever. <laughs> if you rearrange the letters, this. it's a racial slur. I never, heard, I never heard this thing about the Green Day's Dookie album. Oh, you have, album. dude. Dude, it's... that'd be funny if that was every album. Every you take Blink-182, Enema of the State, flips Turn it upside down. It's you see devil. a picture of Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the real devil. Yeah, totally. The white devil. The white devil. Uh, the white rich oh, devil. Oh, you're on uh, Black InfoWars. <laughs> you're going to look up the white devil, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> hey, this is Alec. Happy to be here. <laughs> That's not what he sounds like, but hey, I. what if he did? Hey, Alec Baldwin. I'm a hey, ghost. what's up? Alec Baldwin here. Um... <laughs> And hey, I'm Billy Baldwin. <laughs> I'm Alec, and I'm Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Steven. Um, I, uh, yeah, okay. Blackinfowars.com. Check that out. Also, I, 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 I have forgotten to say this. Every episode since I did Fest, which was in November of 2018, uh, this dude named Matt, who go, who is at Earth versus Matt on Instagram, came up to me and was like, "Hey man, I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of the show. I want to give you a shirt for my band, and his band is called." Bong Mountain. Uh, so it's high. I want to get high on that mountain. Uh, whoa, I just figured it out, dude. I didn't realize Bong Mountain, it's like high. I get it. I didn't get it. I know. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a savant when it comes to humor, Dave. You know, I see, humor it's like, savant. I'm almost like a beautiful mind where I see all the equations totally. kind of shifting around my brain and, you know, oh, high mountain, high, bong, boom. You humor. see all the jokes boom. flying out of a picture of a butt. Just like, just, they're just coming at you. That would be so um, great. A beautiful mind where he's got all the equations <laughs> going around his face and everything, and then the camera pans down and he's just jacking off. Yeah, he's just thinking about numbers. Uh, <laughs> carry the one. And that a movie beautiful. is called A Beautiful Woman. A beautiful <laughs> dick. A beautiful woman. Pretty woman. A beautiful mind. Pretty woman. Uh, a beautiful are- mind comp. <laughs> How about that, huh? You ever do that, Hollywood? You ever see Hollywood? <laughs> Come on, Hollywood. Come at me. You can't take any more money from me. I I win. <laughs> I win. Oh man. So anyway, yeah. I also checked out Bong Mountain as a result, and they're a super good punk band. So you should listen to Bong Mountain. Also, do you three think more... they get high? What's that? Think they're hot? Do you think they get high? I think they're hot. I know they're hot. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think those hot dudes get high? high? Yeah, dude. Um, high above me. Hell yeah. Uh, they get high. High above me. Uh, <laughs> so high. Uh, also, we got some Valentine's Day cards, and I just want to thank you, Brandy Tome, uh, Leslie El. <clears throat> Leslie Evans and I don't know your name but Star Salts someone named Star Salts who is a designer they gave us all those like tattoos and, oh, and yeah, like that was great uh, temporary tattoos and shit yeah uh, your stuff is great thank you so much yeah thank you very much we really appreciate it that was awesome and yeah. it really made our Valentine's Day yeah truly you like I don't know I just yeah we have the best fans ever you guys are so giving and cool 
And uh, if you haven't, if you want to meet some of the fans of the show, go to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash suicide buddies. People are like, it's half people uh, sharing their like yeah. sincere problems and asking for help and people helping them. And also half just like weird fucking vomit gifts and people being like <laughs> suicide, nine 11, yeah. LOL. It's a great it's, combo. Of, it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I really have like been blown away seeing like how people are actually helping each other. And there's a lot of like response to, you know, if someone has something relatable, that's a problem in their lives. Like it seems like there's a lot of empathy going on there. And, Thank God it's still relatively small. <laughs> like, yeah. we're going to have to like get more moderators or something at one point because it's like, man, this could easily become my death cult dream. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. My no, no. dream death no, no. cult. <laughs> it's like an MTV show for 16-year-olds. Oh, my man. dream death cult. I really hope that there's not one person in the group who's like, yes, death cult. <laughs> I, it's like there's one of the thousand people in there that are like, finally. Hampton guys? brings up what I want. So guys? I'm new to the board. My name's David Koresh. Uh, <laughs> here to hang. <laughs> I fucking love meme. the band Train. Uh, you know the song 85? Man, Bowling for Soup. Love it. Um, I um, Okay, let's talk about our friend who died, huh? I know. Whoa! Holy shit, man. What a weekend. Dude, for real. It happened mm -hmm. on Friday. Our good friend um, uh, Brody Stevens, who's a comic in town, uh, he's a legend throughout the industry. Everyone knows and loves Brody. He's touched every single comic, it's and crazy. every single comic has had a positive, like, come away from their relationship with him. He somehow has transcended between the alt world and, like, the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, the improv. He, He's everywhere, and he's known everybody, and everyone loved him. To give you an idea of how great he was, like, it's hard to totally understand unless you... And I don't mean this as an elitist thing. I just mean because everyone's uh, experience is different. And there are just things that comedians know about being a comedian that you don't really know unless you're a comedian. And one of them is like when you're coming up in comedy, um, the people above you don't – most of them don't really give you the time of day. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. It's because they don't know yet – if you're going to be around forever. Yeah. Or what so, if you actually suck? Or what if you suck? What if or what if you're a dick? Five minutes. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like, even at the open mic level, you start going to open mics, it's it's a huge deal for you to get to like go to an open mic for the first time. And in your mind, you're like, I'm here with these comedians. They should welcome me with open arms. And hypothetically, that's true. But that's their social life. They do that every day. And they've never met you. Yeah. And also, a million other things. So... <laughs> Uh, there's no, it, it's really hard to get the attention of comics above you. And then also on top of that, there are a lot of comics who are famous or just bigger than you or getting attention or whatever, who are dicks, who don't give a fuck about yeah, young comics. Too. It's like, and, and some are just assholes. And Brody is a, was a huge comedian and maybe not as famous as his friends, but like a massive fucking deal because he was like. I wonder if he even knew this, man. He was as big as you can get being, like, the funniest two comedians. Mm -hmm. He he killed two comics and were the hardest to make laugh, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and he, regular audience. It would be mind-blowing what he would achieve yeah. with them, you know? like he, he was so... Yeah. And I guess so I guess my point is he was a big deal to comedians because yeah. he just would go into rooms and crush and... Uh, and he had been around forever, but he also like wasn't this massive, you know, figure. Yeah. And he 
was one of the first people to look me in the eye and talk to me who was bigger than me. And he was just good about that somehow. He was around for 30 fucking years. And new comics pop up all the time, more and more every year. And every single one he met, he would meet know their name, remember your name the yeah, next time he saw you. Smallest it, details he was very important to a lot of us. Yeah. The last time I talked to him, he like remembered the conversation we were having last time we talked and he just brought it up again. And it was just about like, you know, being positive and like t- thinking about depression and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I think he saw it more on me than I saw it on him. And it's, um, it's really hard. I mean, I I worked with him at Ridiculousness for a long time. Like he was the warm up guy, yeah. And uh, I would talk to him all, every day, like after he or, and before his, you know, just going out to warm up the crowds because I thought it was fun. He was like the one thing that I would look forward to. Dude. It was a very soul crushing job, but the fact that Brody would go out and just improvise with a bunch of like kids that they dragged from the Grove and put in front of like a skateboarder who's going to show him like YouTube yeah. clips and like he would just get him to laugh at stuff like I'm from like Ventura <laughs> 818 till I die and like just <laughs> shouting at them and getting people to relate from like someone at that one end of the crowd to like you and you have a lot in common yeah and he would make everyone just laugh like a family and it was like beautiful yeah the guy they got to replace him Sucked so fucking bad. (laughs) It's like, it's shocking what Brody could do. Like, Brody was one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he was very... I once saw him... Do you remember... You remember Tiger Lily, obviously, right? Sure, yeah, Tiger Lily, an old stand-up... Famous Monday show that was started by Maria Bamford and Natasha Leggero. uh, And because of that, it was a huge deal. But but then it became this thing where the show was way too long... (laughs) Because the booker was trying to get so many people up. Uh, and so if you got booked on the show, it was a huge deal, but you were inevitably going to be up in the third hour of the show. <laughs> so I once, it was crazy. Like the lineups would be like Dana Gould and fucking Patton Oswald and Maria and just all these huge people. And then like the good comics that no one knew after that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, it would go for like three hours and it was brutal. And by the end, there would be only nine people in there. A comedy show should not go that long. But I saw it one night where Brody was hosting and it was like four hours long because he kept doing huge bits in between and like walking through the whole crowd. And what's really weird is normally by hour two, there's only nine people left in the crowd, but it was still full at the end for him. And then even then at the end of the show, he like the last comment goes up. It's been like 16 comedians and we are all like, thank God. And then Brody goes up and he's like, all right, hit it. And he uh, has the DJ play some music and he pulls two drumsticks out and just drums on a table for the whole song. Yeah. That's all he was doing, and was it, it the, crushed. Was it the police? Was it, was it the police for you? I don't remember. I saw him do that. It was the police. I believe it was. Um, what's the song? It's like "Message in a Bottle." Oh, he did "Message in a Bottle," and it was so fucking good. I'd never oh, yeah. seen anything like it. And I, I literally, after he died, you know, like everyone's sharing memories of him on Twitter. And this is truly mind blowing. Is like the level of outpour. After he died, like everyone has a memory of him. Yeah, truly, yeah. everyone has an incredible memory of Brody. And yeah, my, one of the ones I shared was just like, "Does anyone remember this night?" Because this, I remember it so specifically. Him doing fucking the police, doing message in a bottle, going around the room, and just like everyone was screaming, <laughs> like 
it was like insanity how hyped he got people. Yeah, it's weird too because it like I had a <laughs> there was some like undeniable performance performance thing within him or some like extra thing that I don't even to this day An know extra what it chromosome, is. Chromosome, that's it. Because yeah, <laughs> totally. Yes, that's what Make I meant. Make fun of our dead yeah. friends. <laughs> And people with one extra chromosome. chromosome. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Jamie uh, yeah, Lee yeah, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just women. That's so funny. <laughs> I heard she had an extra chromosome. Um, Her and John Wayne. I, uh, no, like, he's just drumming the police, you know? Yeah, I Or know. just, like, literally I've seen him do sets where he's just, like, and asking people what high school they went to. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and it'll be like, I just watched, I've been watching, so this whole weekend, I've honestly been crying a lot. I, I literally yeah. can't stop crying. I mean, today's been the first day I haven't, like, really broken down. And it's like, I'm still watching a ton of Brody clips. Yeah, and it's like, the, it was from, I think it was his special at the Comedy Store, which is such an interesting special. You can catch it on Amazon Prime. Dude, it's, it's I literally haven't seen that. And it's it's kind of funny because it's basically, you know how Birdie kind of plays it or he would play it like how he's kind of half bombing? Yeah. You know? So this one's like to the umpteenth level. It's like there's literally, he kind of surprises an audience by like, I'm doing a special. I bought a thousand dollars worth of iPhone cameras. So he's filming it and there's like walkouts and everyone's like, everyone who walks out is like, good, I don't need you. Bad energy. Get out. <laughs> He's like shouting at people. And then at one point, yeah, he's doing high school. What high school are you from? You know, and he's talking to LA people. And then someone from like New York is there. And it's like he suddenly he just starts rattling off every New York City town, their high school. Wow. He, and and then when the guy goes, Yeah, I'm from there, he goes, You your town had a double A uh, baseball team, didn't it? <laughs> Like he knew. <laughs> wow. Where, that was the weird thing. He so knew crazy. He knew everything about comedy. Drumming, <laughs> baseball, and high schools. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Oh man, I'm gonna. I'm like, I just, I'm gonna miss him, and that is probably the preeminent thing that gets me sad, is when I just think about like how I'm not gonna see him again. Yeah, and uh, like how like truly wonderful he was, and then secondary to that is I, I truly feel like. So it's just terrible for his family to, uh, you know, end this time. You know, it's like, it's a public thing that should be a private thing. And I feel like, you know, they're, it's hard. It's It must be so incredibly hard to deal with this, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. I think about that every time uh, a public figure dies. How, like, the people that know them in the other way, mm -hmm. in the, like, real way that most people... It, it's the only way they know people mm -hmm. uh, like how fucked up that must be to just have to ignore the internet or the news or whatever. Yeah. Um, even just seeing headlines, like opening my Twitter up and my Twitter discover or whatever the fuck page just says comedian Brody Stevens dies at 48. Mm. It's just like, I didn't even like seeing that as a news story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I usually wake up and this was what happened with me with Brody is like, it's on Twitter where just suddenly people are tweeting. Oh God, no. Right. Fuck. Oh Jesus! No, it's and they go. Okay, what's going on? Someone's dead. I know someone I know. close to us is dead. You know, like that's how I find out. I really appreciate it. Esther Pavitsky tweeted something, and it was honestly so helpful because I was like looking through. I was hanging out with Kyle Ayers, and he was like, "Did Brody fucking die?" And we were both looking through Twitter, seeing those mm -hmm. vague tweets, and then seeing shit like 
Brody Stevens died. And then Esther tweeted, I just talked to Brody's manager and and they confirmed that, yeah. yes, he did pass away. And it was like, honestly, a relief to read that because my I would have right. had a fucking panic attack otherwise. I kept wondering. Yeah, yeah. 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 Immediately I was crying and kind of questioning with Georgie. I was like, this can't be real. Yeah. This can't be real right now. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Uh, something that I just saw today, which is just, you know, kind of that morbid irony is like someone, I think, posted this show that I guess Brody had been on. It was a clip, you know, digital web clip of like him doing like due date. Sorry. <laughs> the hangover. Hangover two. Due date. I was in them. <laughs> Dude, during that period of time where he was also, um, if you don't know, he's very close with Zach Galifianakis. So. He got to be in every Zach like pushed him for yeah. every Zach movie. And so while Zach was blowing up as a movie star, every set that he did was just a list of all the movies he yeah. was in. Yeah. Most of Brody's act was just shouting at people about his credits, how he wasn't being he would respected. He even literally say and then all the time everything very close with Zach. <laughs> well, dude, so this is fucked up, man. Like um, he it, this clip that got posted up was him doing. I think it was like Big J Okerson's show, like one of his oh, shows. That, I guess. like CISO show. Yeah, and like so Brody's on stage and he goes, uh, "Just went off Lexapro. Doctor recommended against it." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, like fucking six months later, that's the shit oh, that had wow. happened last time. Well, because I remember if that anybody breakdown. Knows Brody that like, he'd had some kind of mental illness problems before. Like he'd went off his medication and he'd had like kind of a like an incident at like a coffee shop and then he had to go to like the mental hospital for a little while like, yeah. to stay. And a out of that, he actually, that's how he came up with his show, I think, his like Comedy Central show that ran for a little bit, which people should download. It's super fucking insane and totally all about like mental illness and like, yeah. it's called Brody Stevens Enjoy It. It's great. Like, just, just look up Brody. I think that would really make me happy is if more people just got to know what that dude was about. And really, he's also he's a, a GoFundMe for his family. Yes. Uh, for like funeral costs and all, and just general stuff. And so if you have a dollar or two to give to that, that would be great too. Yeah, that'd be and, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I really like what you said about watching his stuff and sharing it because actually we're going to talk about a comedian this oh, yeah. episode named uh, Doodles Weaver. <laughs> Called Howie Mandel. Named Howie Mandel, <laughs> yeah. This one's more of a hopeful. <laughs> This is more of an, an encouragement episode. This is like a fanfic <laughs> episode. We'll talk about the Howie Mandel situation in the next half, right? Yeah. No, I think that you should. But but I before before we get into that, I like I, I the reason I picked talking about this mm -hmm. uh, comedian is is a comedian who killed it, and I didn't know who he was, and I'm a fucking comedian, and mm -hmm. that's a weird thing. Like when you uh, go through life, especially your younger life. Um, as a consumer of things, you like paint a picture in your head of what's underground and what's not. And I certainly did. And I saw myself as like, um, as someone who, who was a true fan, like a nerd for things that, that knew about artists that were more underground, that were lesser known. And now I know that even those people that I knew about were at the forefront of fame in their specific genre. And, uh, in order to, get to a place where your work is known by fan, even just fans of comedy or whatever in history, you have to be particularly well-known. <laughs> and so I would really love it if 
you would go out of your way to see Brody Stevens stuff and share it. So his legacy isn't a Wikipedia page that ends with he killed himself. Yeah. We shouldn't know only that he killed himself. We should know that he's one of the best comedians of all time. And I'm worried that we won't. And and also look up this guy, Doodlebug Stevens. <laughs> Who gives a shit about this guy? Noodle, yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah. Noodle brain, noodle brain Jefferson. I do think that you should expound on why we made a really dark joke about Howie Mandel right there. Obviously, oh, I don't yeah. want Howie Mandel to die. Well, right but now, we're mad at Howie right now. <laughs> uh, right now, I guess mad at Howie. That's my other podcast. There's just something going it's about on. Bobby's it's been world. A bummer for comedy, basically. It's like yeah, you know, Brody died over the weekend and then like to you know the other day there's news that like all these canadian friends of ours and there's so many fucking canadian comics who come here it is such a huge struggle to move over here but basically there's a very small system of comedy you know inside of canada where you can feasibly make money yeah and most of that is through your albums getting played on sirius xm or people getting streaming money you know like you put out an album which takes years to achieve and so basically you know uh sirius xm Here's where it gets really fucked up. Basically, they got sued by Sound Exchange, which is like an advocacy rights group for musicians and artists trying to collect your royalties, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, they busted SiriusXM and were like, hey, uh, you know, well, they went to trial and they got a $150 million, you know, uh, settlement of like, you got to pay this. <clears throat> now, in my mind, like Sirius is not going to be like, okay, <laughs> right. We just have a hundred fifty million dollars laying around. Sure, like, it's yeah. It's like if like Warner Brothers made John Wick and then didn't release it. <laughs> like you know, they're not going to be like, okay, sure, <laughs> yeah. We'll just go eat our ass. Like we don't, you know. So yeah, basically, yeah. Sirius. Then the logical thing for a big conglomerate is to then pass on this, you know, bullshit onto the artists. Yeah. So then they go, well, how can we make an agreement where we don't have to pay all these Canadian artists? Uh, let's just cut him out and let's make this deal with just for laughs. When I'm sorry, when Sound Exchange sued Sirius, mm. was it specifically for Canadian content? It was for everyone. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. for everyone. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was funny. I was like talking back and forth with uh, comedian John Roy, and he was like, just imagine how much they yes. had to pay Eddie Vedder, dude. <laughs> it's like, you I... think comics are mad? That's so, God, that's a great John. That's John so Roy, great comic. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically, one of, the, one of the first <laughs> things I'm just seeing here so is this case where Sirius Canada is like, this is we don't want to pay this money. Let's make an agreement with Just for Laughs. Just for Laughs is this huge com uh, comedy festival out of Canada. It's probably the biggest comedy festival in the world. It's honestly numerous festivals now. It, and now it's expanded, right? <laughs> yeah, now it's become a corporation. So there's yeah. a Just for Laughs Chicago. There's a Just for Laughs, you know, Vancouver and shit. And they have all this comedy content that they own from taping mm -hmm. galas at their festival. And honestly, it's like... It's been a TV network. It's been a few television shows. They have all sorts of stand-up and other comedy, too, but they've just been taping stand-up sets and putting them on Canadian TV for fucking decades. Yeah, dude. They, I mean, like, I've, I've been following Just For Us for forever, right? And, like, they have the... The French Canadian version is Juste pour rire. Yeah. Juste pour rire. <laughs> and like all those clips are like, you know, a mime going down the street and it'll be like kind of a prank show <laughs> clip mm -hmm. where he's like, he, he drops a baby. Oh no, sacre bleu. <laughs> yeah. The Just for Lives TV show is just <laughs> like, what stupid. if YouTube sucked 20 years ago? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically, they reached out to that company. They reached out to the big conglomerate in Canada, 
who's now been bought up by Howie Mandel, of all people. Mm. Howie Mandel now owns Just for Laughs, basically. And so basically, they're going to program 80 to 90% of the content now on this channel, which means they're just going to play Just for Laughs clips, which are owned by Just for Laughs, so they don't even have to really pay the artists. They're going to be playing artists who are not Canadian. So now Canadians are getting even less exposure. It's basically like they just overnight decided that thousands and thousands of Canadian comics now have to get a second job. Yeah. You now no longer can pay rent. You have to now go work at Starbucks also, as well as the second job you're playing. Now this is your third job. I you know, because I tweeted well, that a bunch of comics were like, I actually have to get a third job now. The reason it's obviously devious is like you can get away with it if like, okay, <clears throat> what's an analogy I could use? Like it's okay. It's fucked up for an American company to send jobs overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if they are, you know, a an American company that is all about being an American company. But like, say like there's a factory that makes something in America um, and they're like, it's cheaper if we send those jobs to Singapore or whatever, all those people lose their jobs. That's fucked up. But this is even further fucked up because they are now taking that content away from the consumer as well. So it's mm-hmm. not like yeah. that factory in Singapore at least will be making the same product that we used to, the factory in America made. Now the deal is that this comedy channel on Sirius is only going to be playing stand-up from Just for Laughs gala performances yeah. 2012 and previous. So that means that if you're a comedy fan and you listen to that channel, you literally will be unable to hear new comedy. <laughs> yeah, That's just crazy. That's yeah. like, <laughs> And it's, it's also illegal, basically, in yeah. my mind, because basically uh, Sirius Canada is already being... Everything in Canada is usually sponsored by, by the, the government. government. Yeah, exactly. So that way that you have to showcase Canadian artists. And this is true on television and all throughout their media. So I think oh, yeah. comics are tr- trying to start this up, but I would just recommend if you can just write to Canada laughs at SiriusXM.ca. That's Canada laughs at SiriusXM.ca. And just voice your concern that you want to hear Canadian artists and that this would, if you have Sirius, this would maybe discourage you from, you know, keeping your uh, subscription. I mean, that's like low level how people can fight against it. I've suggested to a lot of comics that they should kind of shame Howie Mandel, mm-hmm. you know, as someone in, he made a response video because everyone was chewing him out about it. And he's like, hey, you know. I'm a Canadian comic. I love Canada. I give a shit about Canada. I'm all about <laughs> Canada. And he like listed like old fucking 40 year old comedy acts from Canada as like Norm MacDonald, uh, Kids in the Hall. Like, wow, that's funny. <laughs> like people who are famous in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I've been nothing about Canada. And it's like, well, really, then maybe you should like at least extend an olive branch to Canadian comics. If you're going to take away their money or whatever, maybe make the festival, you know, that you've now bought work more towards showcasing local acts, which I they haven't had a shot Im- at, you know? important to say this, and probably less so to <coughs> Canadian fans of ours, but maybe to you too. Um, like, uh, as Americans, I think it's maybe difficult to conceive of just how fucked up it would be to have... Canadian content taken out of this realm because we don't have to worry about it. We are the monopoly. We are the top of the food pyramid. <laughs> Are yeah. you going to take away my gravy fries? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we, you a capitalist in America could be like, well, that's the market. That's yeah, what exactly. the market decided. No. But the reality is 
that it's Canada and Canada should prioritize people in their country. And that's why, well, like you were saying, I think it's legally on terrestrial radio. I think they legally have to play at least 30% Canadian musicians. Uh, and it's all Drake. And yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, Drake, Mostly Drake, Drake, and Man, they've had such boom times recently with musicians. Totally, dude. <laughs> Fucking Bieber. Um, so yeah, I'm just saying they should put Drake and Justin Bieber on Canadian well, comedy channels. I guess you know, and something that's also like they're you know, funny. This, this Wait, should've... Hampton. Oh, okay. They're funny. <laughs> they're funny. <laughs> Bieber, he makes me laugh. <laughs> I was just saying this. This does apply to almost every though American comic because this shit will a hundred percent happen here. It, it's all comes down to Sirius doesn't want to pay this lawsuit money. That's a primary concern for everybody. It's like you know the lawsuit was hey you should pay artists more and they're like actually. We're going to find a way to pay artists nothing because that lawsuit sucked. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's a huge concern. You know, those radio people are pieces of shit, too. In 1997, there was a um, like, you know how for a really long time, Clear Channel was the big brother of the radio world. They owned everything. The reason that that happened was there was a cap on the amount of radio stations that one company could own in each market. It was like three or something. Hmm. And um that was that was the case all the way up until the late 90s and in 1997 this nonprofit that was like literally just like an organization of students got you sued oh sued i actually think they sued i don't remember if they sued the fcc or if they sued like cumulus and clear channel or whatever uh-huh. i think they sued the fcc but they were suing saying that's too many radio stations for one company to be able to own. That's already a monopoly. These are the people's airwaves. Give us back the airwaves. And then in that exact same suit, Clear Channel, Cumulus, and Citadel countersued the same person they were suing and said that it's unconstitutional to make the cap that that low. <laughs> yeah, just like get rid of the rule so entirely, basically. They won that lawsuit, Clear Channel and Cumulus wow. did, and they raised it to like nine radio stations that or eleven or something that one company 9/11? could own. Oh and then after God. that, right when that ruling went through, Clear Channel bought seventy percent of the radio stations in the US. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, like fired fifty percent of radio DJs and everything was recorded or voice tracked in from a neighboring market. Yeah, like exactly. these people are out to get us they want to take away all of content and all of creative like things away from people and that's the thing that's the other thing is like if you want to write to canada laughs at SiriusXM.ca, i think it's important to mention to them that it's like this is just a very short-sighted move you've basically given away all of your programming control you just signed away all autonomy basically anyway so i also want to say very briefly i disagree with cam hampton and i am on Sirius's side (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one thing I'm serious about yeah. is comedy. Yeah. It should be called Serious XM. The XM stands to stands for X to the max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. All right let's well, talk let's about take a break part. and then we'll talk about some fucking doodles. <laughs> Do- doodles. And we're back. 
Here we are. It's your drive time morning, morning. or fucking, I don't know. What zoo, do they even say? It's a zoo crew. We're the crew in the zoo. Yeah, it's time for the bee morning boo. I'm, a, I'm the <laughs> member of the zoo crew who uh, cleans out the elephant's anus. I'm <laughs> yeah. that crazy member of the zoo crew. Yeah, with, with your morning poo. I'm, a, I'm that uh, Shit orangut- out of the ass. I'm that orangutan who jacks off into his hand and throws it at your child zoo crew. Yeah, I'm that giraffe that always has a boner, and the other giraffes are like, go away. <laughs> Why are we still going to zoos? <laughs> this is like animal Auschwitz. <laughs> Stop it. Animal Auschwitz. Hey, kids, it is really look crazy. The, let's look at the depressed, starving animals that reject their food bowls and oh my not God. be there. You show me one. And speaking of zoos, Doodles Weaver. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know uh, what that joke was at all. <laughs> Doodles Weaver uh, was a comedian who was born in May 11th, 1911. And most of his, like his heyday was the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But he worked all the way up until he died in the 80s. In the um, 80s? Whoa. Coke? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no. Was it his Ferrari? <laughs> it was suicide. Hampton. Flip his Ferrari. <laughs> Miami Vice. Staff. He snorted a Ferrari. Yeah, dude. Which is the way to go because it's fast. You know what I mean? It was a red Ferrari. He snorted it and he died dude, right that away. Be, that'd be so funny. Like, an episode of Miami Vice where they're the worst at being undercover, and they're like, "I hear uh, you guys have some powdered Ferrari. You guys ground up a Ferrari. That's not a thing anyone says. It. Kill him. Come on. Kill him, boys. He doesn't know the words." <laughs> Doesn't know the words. <laughs> Wrong word. Kill him. <laughs> Doing a drug deal is like a magic spell. <laughs> uh, so Doodles Weaver was born in May 11th, 1911. And here is his full real name. Winstead Sheffield Glendenning Dixon Weaver. Mr. Sheffield. And I love it. When I read that, I assumed that the way he got his name was... Sometime in high school, he was like, hi, I'm Winstead Sheffield Glendenning Dixon Weaver. And someone was like, yeah, whatever, doodles. And that's, but that's not how he got his name. Uh, His mom called him Doodlebug because he had big ears. Aw. Yeah. Like a bug? I don't know. Bugs don't have ears, you dumb bitch. (laughs) I read one thing online where someone pointed out like, this is an old money family. They're a really really? waspy, Scotch English, old money. And- and a thing that waspy people do is like, come here, little doodle bug. They like call Aww. their kids dumb shit, you know? Father, um, father, I want to buy a boat. <laughs> no, and that's can- why I call you butterfly. <laughs> no, you have too many boats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'll buy you a horse. I'll buy you a horse. Father, I don't Every want child horse. gets two boats, one horse. <laughs> no, Max. I want a zoo. I want a bunch of sad animals. So and that's <laughs> why we bought a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> We bought a zoo too, white privilege. <laughs> and that's the story of the time I bought a zoo for my little doodle bug. Well, yeah, if you don't remember, she had a boat and a horse. <laughs> and so it was like, well, what's bigger than that? Well, we put the horse on the boat and go out to international and waters. That's a zoo. So you can marry it. What if, <laughs> what if, if a horse on a boat isn't a zoo, what is? <laughs> Your honor. Think about it. <laughs> Your Honor, please. I know I forgot my pants, but listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. Yes, I'm currently jerking off, but I have a valid argument. Um, and that's improv comedy, folks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he went to, he was born in Los Angeles. He went to LA High, and then he went to Stanford. And uh, apparently, as a kid, he, the thing about this dude is like, 
he had a very old world style of comedy. Hmm. He was just a re- he he had big ears and sort of like a wacky face and from a young age he was just wacky all the time. He was just making faces and acting dumb and pulling pranks on people just really hmm. did not take life seriously at all in a great way. Sounds like me. Um, yes. I mean, it sounds like a lot of comics <laughs> yeah, when they're yeah, kids. It's totally. like completely like nihilistic. <laughs> fucking ADD awful. and yeah. like, yeah, totally. And, uh, and apparently, like one thing he would do when he was in, I think high school, he would show up at nightclubs wearing like scary masks to like scare the fuck out of people. Because <laughs> he was the scarecrow in Gotham. <laughs> He's putting out his fear toxin. And then he would kill toxin. everybody. Yeah, everyone yeah. would slit their own throats on his fear toxin. And you know, that was comedy. That used to be comedy. Oh yeah, I forgot. Right. Murderer. This guy's a murderer. Now people, nowadays comics, they don't put in the fear toxin and make the audiences freak out and slit their throats. You know, no, we put the work. <laughs> That's what we put in. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 hours. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, and so he also, he apparently That's got, wild. he got suspended at Stanford because <laughs> because he pulled a prank on a train to Stanford from, I don't know where, I guess San Francisco or something. Apparently on the train at three in the morning, he just ran through the train cars yelling, um, Next stop, Palo Alto. Everybody get up. Next stop, Palo Alto. <laughs> and they were like hours away from Palo Alto, and everyone was pissed, and then he got in trouble. See, the joke there <laughs> is that Palo Alto sucks. Oh. I don't think that's true. <laughs> that wasn't his joke? I don't think so. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I think the joke was so that he thought it was funny to wake them up. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of the night? Yeah. Uh, they wanted to sleep and he didn't let them and then they got mad <laughs> which is I think very normal I think he stole that from Louie <laughs> it is like a torturous thing to do it is a very mean thing to I'm do I'm being funny you are? I just woke you up oh, in the yeah. middle of the night I, it's a joke <laughs> yeah Your why honor. are you laughing? um yeah. So and here's the other thing. He also came into comedy with a little bit of privilege because he was an L.A. guy. So he knew L.A., but he came from a lot of money and his brother, very young, like almost right out of college, became he worked in the television department at NBC and after not long was literally the VP in charge of television oh at NBC. God. So. This guy's a comedian. He, you know, and he was a writer and a comedian and he did the stuff. He did the work, except, I mean, he did the work in the sense that he made comedy. Uh, He wrote for the humor magazine on Stanford campus, but he didn't have to do the nightclub thing, which is what every comedian did back in the 30s, 20s and 30s. You would go do vaudeville shows or you would perform in the corner of a smoky bar and people would yell at you or not pay attention. That's how... What's changed? That's uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, it just wasn't called stand-up back then. Damn. Um, yeah, that's how Dean Martin got started. That's how Jerry Lewis got started, all these people. And he just somehow... There's no real information exactly of how, but he just skipped... He just never did that. He just showed up after college on the radio and was just like in radio bits with people. Um, there's there's like a funny fake article or whatever that was written about just how when you read these old-timey stories. Yeah. It's like, what's the deal with these kids today? It's like, it's hard to break into the industry. Why, back in my day, you just walked onto the Paramount lot and you said, but... Buster, I want a job. And they were like, wow, no one wants a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, you could just literally walk onto lots and be like, I've got a script. Hey, what's up? Like, oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to make 10 more movies and we only have two scripts. 
Uh, well, I, wow. you, I saw uh, the producer of uh, Universal Studios at, uh, at uh, a delicatessen. I said, hey, buddy, how about I buy a sandwich? Next thing I know, I'm a director of the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the story of how easy. James Cameron made Terminator 2. Yeah, it's uh, like if the show How I Met Your Mother ended the first episode. And, well, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest... <laughs> Five seasons of everything just being fine. <laughs> yep, um, there she is again. So yeah, in the mid 1930s, the biggest thing he did was he was on Rudy Valley's Craft Music Hall radio show, which was a big deal. Fuck and then yes. from 1936 he to 1944, 1936 he had a bit part in his first movie. And then from 1936 to 1944, he was in 44 movies, small roles, mostly. All a year. <laughs> um, yeah. For like eight years. Uh, and that was the time when his uh, brother was the VP in charge of television and NBC. Um, he, mm. in okay, and then in 1946, he became a member of, I guess what you would call a band, Called Spike Jones and the City Slickers, and Spike Jones. Do you know who Spike Jones? Is? Spike Jones, not like our Spike no, Jones. No, no. <laughs> I know the other one. Also. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spike Holy Jones. Shit. And Spike Jones, if you don't know, in the '40s and '50s was basically Weird Al, except yeah. he was even more famous. He was a huge fucking deal. He had radio shows, and then he would tour under the name Spike Jones Music Depreciation Review. And um, starting in 1946, Doodles Weaver became a part of that band. And so like the way the band worked was the exact, they basically did the exact same thing that weird Al did. They took pop music and then they fucked it up for the purpose of making you laugh. <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> Except even bigger. It was like a massive big band situation where different characters right. would sing and they would have weird sound effects. And their live show had a lot of like strange events happen in the middle of the songs. And uh, hmm. yeah, one of the biggest things that doodles did uh, for this band was he did this character called Fetal Bomb, which what Fetal Fe Professor Fetal Bomb? Okay, <laughs> was this character that mixed words and sentences up? It was basically like a person who had really bad dyslexia right. and didn't know how to talk. Yeah, I've seen this sort of bit, but it was like the first. Yes, exactly. But it was the first public. It's like the first publicly known version of that type of comedy. So. He probably didn't invent it, but and it's also like, like super edgy. Like fetal bomb is basically <laughs> like you know abortion, right? It's yeah, like totally. Fe fetus bomb. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, like abortion missile, dude. Yeah, this dude's like dude. dead Kennedy's level. Yeah. fucked up. Yeah, making dude. faces in the hallway of a train. Yeah, <laughs> fucking at midnight. Yeah, we, we should call him Roe v. War. <laughs> you know yeah. what? He would he would go around the, to every audience and he'd announce. We're coming up to Palo Alto, and it just wouldn't land. <laughs> they didn't you know, the get one it time it worked, at all. every other time didn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, he was so, he, and he was in the radio shows that Spike Jones did from 1947 to 1949. Oh, wow. That Bomb character got really big, and it blew up to like if you want to know what his comedy was like, search for Bomb or search for Beetlebomb. He did this bit that was like it's hard to describe, but it was like a a horse race. Where hmm. the name of every horse, he, it's really hard to describe. Just search for Beetle Bomb because he played the horse race announcer and he announced the names of the horses, but the names of all the horses were jokes. Yeah. And they all had something to do with how bad the horse was failing it's in like the race. Wordplay jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, he contributed to Mad Magazine, and then in 1951, he was on TV for the first time on the Colgate Comedy Hour, and that's another thing. Colgate Comedy Hour was fucking huge. It was a big deal. Oh, yeah. It was like, 
how I think that and like show of shows and stuff were like the two biggest of their time. And yeah, it was how Martin and before, Lewis got their start. Yeah, it was before like the Tonight Show, really. Um, yeah, and dude, this is actually to what you were saying before about walking onto a set and getting big. This is literally what happened to him on the Colgate Comedy Hour. He does a sketch on the Colgate Comedy Hour that's also an Ajax commercial. Mm-hmm. It's him and a pig. And they do something stupid, and the audience laughs so hard that they just gave him his own show on NBC. <laughs> the pig? <laughs> yes. That's where Green Acres mm-hmm. comes from. Wow, yeah. that's so fucking funny. Yeah, he got a show called The Doodles Weaver Show, and here's the turnaround on that. That was in early 1951. Well, the pig bit works out good. You deserve a show. <laughs> so, like, yeah, literally at the beginning, January, February 1951, he was on the Colgate Comedy Hour. The Doodles Weaver Show started in June of 1951 on NBC, um, and then it ended in September of 1951, and that was the only season that it got. Hello, goodbye! <laughs> that's, that's what inspired that band, Hello, Goodbye. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that band. Yeah, that's them. Um, and that was like Jeez, sort of the pinnacle of his, dude. of being in the public eye. That right. was like the zenith of his fame, mm-hmm. but... He had an incredibly like lucrative TV and film career after that, all the way up until when he died. He was like, you know, mo- up until he worked with Spike Jones, most of his movie credits were uncredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, bit parts, wasn't paid much. And then after he had the Doodles Weaver show, he was just famous. And so he was like a small role in Batman, in Dragnet, Fantasy Island, Starsky and Hutch, the Monkeys TV show. Well, this yeah. is then getting into like the 60s. Yeah, here, totally. Right? Oh, okay. And so, 70s and 80s. Oh, like, wow. He was like literally just one of those comics. After that, he never got bigger than that, but he was one of those comedians that all comedians knew. Just was known. And he was trusted as a great character actor who could play a silly motherfucker. And, and 19, so the Doodles Weaver show ended in 1951? Yeah. Is that what you said? And then he committed suicide in 83. But between that time, it's just amazing that he did like one kind of like ha- half year of a show, basically, yeah. right? And like you're just saying he became kind of a known entity past that. I don't think it's That's from kind of just that because he was right. already on Spike Jones and stuff it like that. It was more like that gave him the the okay, that gave him the seal of approval or something. I think he yeah, from NBC. I think okay. like he had a TV show. So now he's, you know, like you get your I mean, we're all in comedy just trying to like get into that realm over there if we're interested. And so that was, he got on the Colgate Comedy Hour, got his own show, and now he's a TV person. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more work he got in that one person trusted him and then another person trusted him and it just built from like that. I feel like that is still the same exactly. sort of system. It really does rely on just like the good word of someone you trust. Totally. And so like probably that show got him in front of a bunch of people. So right away, like, 10 people wanted him in their show as a small role. Right. And then he had got a good reputation off of that and he just built his career and he became like a, you know, a middle-class TV actor and film actor. Uh, and, um, yeah, so he just like steady, he was in hundreds of TV shows and movies steadily up until January 17th, 1983, when he was found at his, at his place in Burbank. He had literally shot himself twice in the chest. Oh, whoa. twice somehow in the fucking chest. 
okay, no foul play. I mean, no. twice in the chest yourself. I mean, to shoot yourself in the chest is already kind of very difficult. Is that like you want to save your face for like a funeral sort of thing? Wow, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe. Well, you've clearly never thought. Of this. <laughs> wow, you clearly you're nice. never thought. Of this. <laughs> you never I forgot, how, forgot about how nice you are. If you raise, <laughs> if you raise Catholic, Dave, your mom's gotta see your face uh, okay. in the case. Oh no, I'm a fucking heathen. I don't give a shit about my face. <laughs> Mess up my face. Come F- on, my face. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna shoot myself in the face with cum. I'm gonna drown in cum. What's that's how I want to go. Look at me. Look at me on my face. Look at me. Look at my. Look at me. I mean, what, wow, that, that was a little. There's a graphic. long. That's a long like span of time. I mean, um, is there anything going on in the background that? Okay, so that's what's about? interesting. That's what I. Th- that's why the reason that I wanted to do this. Mm. The story of him is Brody. I read about him, and it's because the recorded history of him is what I just told you. Mm -hmm. He was married four times. He had three kids, one kid with his first wife, two kids with his fourth wife. Um, By the way, his niece is Sigourney Weaver. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, Sigourney, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry that <laughs> she we're, is a big we're being fan. disrespectful. Listen, Miss Weaver, please. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, please. <laughs> um, please don't tell Zool. Don't, send don't an, tell Zool about this. Yeah, don't uh, send an alien. Don't please. tell the face huggers about this. <laughs> don't tell the um, face huggers. Well, yeah. I, I will say, Br- Birdie wa- wasn't married, but he definitely like his personal life was a bit of a mystery. I'd yeah, say, so, and yeah. so like his yeah. The one thing I will say, his son. Um, found him, I believe. Oh no! And uh, talked to the police, and there was no suicide note. But the son did find a diary of his or some writings. And at some point in 1982, he had written about being really depressed. Apparently, his health was failing him. I couldn't mm-hmm. find what was going on, but he was getting sicker and sicker because at this point he's 72 years old. Right. Uh. So I'm sorry, 71 years old. And so, you know, there's the getting sick and you're old and like, is it worth it? I'm in pain all the time possibility. I think there's also, I've been thinking a lot about how like, you know, anxiety and depression are kind of almost like two sides of maybe the same coin, or maybe there's actually should be more definitions of the levels of these sort of things. But I was really thinking about how like, say depression is like, I'm no good. I don't deserve anything, right? Yeah. Anxiety is more like, oh God, all these things are coming up and I can't deal with the pressure. I don't want to deal with this sort of thing. Say yeah. like somebody who's got a court case coming up and they might go to prison or something. Yeah, you get yeah. those sort of cases. And I have started thinking like, you know, I think like this whole thing of medical issues that we constantly see where someone's like health is ailing. I think the anxiety of that, of like, sure. like when's it going to happen? How am I hurting everyone around me by dealing with like ail- ailments, you know? And I Also, think if it, you've been alive for yeah. 71 years and you are anxious and I don't know if he's a person who deals with a lot of anxiety, but I can tell you as someone who's 36 and has dealt with anxiety this entire time, I now know just how anxious I can get and will get in a stressful situation. And I dread it. Yeah. And I, if you have an acute knowledge of that, of, of your own pain and what creates it and how bad it will be and for how long, yeah. you can totally be something you yeah, want to get away from. It's like a theory I haven't fully developed out, but yeah, it's like it's almost like the way we use these terms of depression and anxiety. I don't think they fully qualify, but it's more about this, you know, yeah, like this apprehensiveness and like not knowing yeah. uncertainty. 
Those are very those are very crippling emotions in a lot of ways, and they definitely can lead to spiraling. Yeah, but the thing the thing that really stuck out for me with him more than anything is that there's really no information on exactly what happened to him, and I and that I don't know. This is going back to what I said in the first half about Brody, which is that like hmm. I really don't want. I'm. It's becoming more and more clear to me with each passing day that millions of talented people have created things that are just lost to us in, in history. Wow. <laughs> uh, and it's true. So interesting. Yeah. I've and, seen a bunch of Catskill like comics <laughs> whose acts like are just gone. And, and they're like, just gone. I saw this dude. It's just, he completely just riffs with the audience for like an hour and no one's ever heard his name. This guy doodles Weaver. Like I, I literally said he has been in hundreds of, of TV shows and movies. Mm -hmm. You would think that someone with that body of work, and that's not even including his stuff with Spike Jones and all his radio shit, and also the albums he released, his like character and performance albums. Well, it says his la on his IMDb, his last work was Crazy Anal Asian 6. So, I mean, you know, when you say hundreds it of films. It was a comedy. <laughs> comedy. It was a parody. No. Yeah. It was a parody of a newsreel. <laughs> Uh, News from the whole front. Crazy you know, Asians it makes the speeches of Normandy. It makes sense that as history moves on, like things fade away. And yeah. he like you can still find some of his recordings online. So he's obviously doing he's like more known than other people, but mm -hmm. but also like I didn't know this guy at all. And I just really it just really did punctuate what I was already thinking, which was like people gotta see our friends shit, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Especially with Brody, I mean, <clears throat> the way he he kind of touched everyone in the in the scene. I mean, it's kind of unique. I mean, like I've really, I mean, we've had friends die, yeah, and uh, this is like I've just never seen anything like it. Everyone kind of um, loved him, and I think also that's um, interesting to note is I I don't know like how to really analyze this thing, and you know we're, that's why we're not really doing an episode about it. It's too vague and everything, but like. Brody didn't have a lot of typical things you would associate with depression. He wasn't he wasn't withdrawn and he did I mean, yeah. you know, maybe he was like a little like you, it was hard to get to know him, but like he was out every night. He was talking to people all the time. He wanted to be around people. He wanted to talk to people. He yeah. constantly talked about positivity. If you ever got a conversation with him, it would be about being kind and being sweet. And there was literally a memory. One thing I posted was one of the times I saw him was he was at Power Violence. Like he had done a set, he'd gotten off, and then Josh Fadum went up. And Brody was in the back of the room. And we're like, we're just standing next to each other. And Fadum's going up. And it's kind of like a very loose set. And all of a sudden, Brody and him just having this back and forth interaction mm -hmm. of like, I think Faden was asking mm -hmm. the crowd like how they feel about certain stuff. Uh -huh. And then it kind of became this back and forth between him and Brody. Everyone's laughing. It's mm -hmm. going it's going really well, right? And the conversation kind of shifts into like, well, why do you feel that way? And I think Brody in the back, in the darkness, he's like, I worry people won't accept me. Uh, and And Josh is like, I worry people won't accept me about certain things you know like maybe i've you know i've already hit and i didn't know it or whatever or maybe people are you know like i don't know how to read people and sometimes yeah. i worry i'm letting people down and they just have this back and forth about like genuine desperation and like how to find hope in wow. comedy and like the crowd was like blown away it was it was such an honest conversation wow, cool. that was funny and 
real. They were really just going like, I don't know if I if I want to do this career anymore. You know, like wow. I feel really like traumatized by it in a lot of ways. Like it was just completely honest, like comedy, and I, I wow, it's, it it stayed with me so fucking you know for forever. Man, wow. He's 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 a singular entity. So I mean, shouts out, I Brody. I mean. We miss it's funny. You. I, I will, yeah, we, yeah, we miss you, man, for sure. I, um, I, I admittedly wasn't that close to him either. Um, I, I think I, I would have been around a little bit less of time than you. Um, but, and you know, I'm not saying I, yeah, it, yeah. I'm not affected or that I didn't, we didn't know each other, but like I wasn't one of his close people for sure. Yeah. Um, and yet still I like feel really affected by it. And one thing that I, I have been, um, thinking about a lot is like you I don't know you could say that there is evidence that this might happen in Brody because he had that sure breakdown public breakdown yeah. however many years ago but also that happened a while ago and you know he's on Lexapro for depression and and so like you you could say that but it wasn't really that often that you would be reminded of it because you, like you said, he was out in the world yeah, being this positive force so and yeah, being gregarious. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. And so a big thing that I've been thinking coming out of this is like, there are definitely way more people in my life that I care about, um, that are fucking sad and like contemplating death than I realize there are way, way more people uh, like your co-host. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that I knew. Uh, <laughs> like your producer. <laughs> like you. <laughs> For example, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Look at that yeah, man no, in the mirror. And I, I think that it's so... I think life is, is funny in, in the way that it's like... A it's like a box of chocolates. Long series of... Uh, realizing things you already realized. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, yeah, sure. and the thing that I've heard so many times in my life is reach out to the people you love, let them know you love them. You don't know how long you'll be able to do that. Yeah. And it helps. It might hit them at just the right moment. You know, I did but think of that. Yeah. That I've heard that and I've known that that's true. But then that hit me when Brody died. Like, Oh no, wait a minute. I fucking have to do that. Yeah. And everybody has to do that because we fucking all think no one loves us and there's no way out of this hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true for every profession or every, you know, walk of life. But I mean, it is kind of funny how it's like, you know, comics could probably step up their game to be a little bit more supportive. And that's, you know, kind of case in point here with the Canada thing. I'm like, they're just like us, you know, it's the same thing. And, you know, we need like good people. I mean, Louis CK's out doing clubs again and fucking Brody's dead. Tell know, me we don't crazy. need some good people out there. <laughs> we do. Yeah, get out there and be good. Yeah. And uh, we love you. Thank you for listening to the show. We are glad you're alive, truly. Yeah, glad you're alive, folks. Uh, there are a couple things we got to plug. <laughs> plug, plug. 
guys, uh, you know, if you want more stitch em ups, if you want more goofs and laughs and giggles, uh, check out my comedy Sketchems Up album. Whoa. All right. I've got a comedy album coming out March 8th. All right. And that's coming out through audible.com. <laughs> you can check that out. Hampton Young. Uh, album's called Able. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a lot of my goofy stand up, which I think uh, Sirius XM will slowly cut out all artist payment to. And, you know, I'm glad I spent about five years on that material. <laughs> buy comedy albums is our point. First of all, buy Hamptons uh, because you're a fan of his. But yeah. buy comedy or, albums. Or buy a T-shirt directly from my website when it comes out, and I will give you a cassette with the download code, and you can get a T-shirt at the same time. Buy directly from yeah. the artist. That's my point. Also, fuck, fuck serious. Start listening to your shit on fucking Spotify, man. Spotify doesn't pay yeah. uh, enough either, but they pay. <laughs> they do pay. Uh, yeah. They pay something. A cent. Um, <laughs> a nickel. I, um, I, oh, also, I have a web series that's coming out. Oh, this, yeah. uh, this episode drops February 28th, the last day of February, but March 1st, Friday, March 1st. My uh, web series, Brotherly, that I made with Chris Charpentier and Jim Hickox and Deborah DiGiovanni and the Knicks Brothers uh, comes out. And you can watch it at the website is www.brotherly.xyz. It looks amazing. It oh, looks really amazingly shot. And it's really uh, amazing how the trailer just um, it gives you a good tonal idea of what's to come. So I can't wait to see the series, man. Oh, man. Thank you, dude. Yeah. yeah I'm excited for you to see it. Like I said, it's brotherly.xyz. <laughs> because we could not afford a better URL. <laughs> dot, dot edu. <laughs> All right. That was a great episode, man. Yeah, Thanks it was so fun, much. dude. I'm glad that we got to talk about our friend and relate it to something. Yeah, the show, me man. too. Me too. All Thanks, right. dude. We'll be back uh, next week, folks. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We have a bonus episode this week on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Suicide Buddies. Um, yeah, normally we play a clip, but I feel like we just ended the episode, so we should just end it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, check us out on Patreon. It's more content, you know? <laughs> you like this? Have some Oh, take it! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Suicide Buddies. You are the absolute best. We love you. We're glad you're alive. And remember, we joke around about suicide and suicidal thoughts on this show, not because we take suicide lightly, because that's how we deal with it. So if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They will hear you. They know what you're going through. There is help out there. Please stay here with us and have a great night. <laughs>